Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you for today. Thank you for another opportunity to come before you to learn at your feet. Lord, we are just so grateful. Thank you for 11 years of God's favorite house. Thank you for the anniversary celebrations. Thank you for all you did and all you are still doing. Lord, we are grateful. Thank you for the years coming ahead of us. Thank you for the God with the service that is coming up in the next few weeks. We are grateful, Lord. Accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we continue your presence today, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that today, Lord, may the meditations of our hearts, the words of our mouths, and all we shall be doing today, Lord, let it be pleasing and acceptable to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody. And how are you guys doing? Uh, thank God for another beautiful day in the presence of God. We are still rejoicing and thanking God for the anniversary, uh, the anniversary that we celebrated on Sunday. 11 years. No, be smart, you know. <laughs> God's been good and he's still good. Uh, we rejoice and we thank God. Um, Welcome everybody joining us online. Uh, well, this is a midweek service. We call it Tribe, and it's presently strictly online. Um, so uh, we say thank you for joining and welcome. I want to give an ex a special invitation to everybody out there today. Um, we're going to be having like a small quiz in the middle of Tribe today, and we're going to have some gifts, very good quality gifts that's going to be given out to those that win the quiz we're going to have three winners the first second and third prize winner so please you want to use that as a cue to maybe there's someone that you know is just hanging around the corner there get them to start watching online now get them to get their phones ready because they're going to have to send the answer to that quiz uh when they, when when we throw out the quiz there all right don't worry there is not jam question you will know the answer if you have been a Bible Bible reader, all right. So um, but just stay on the alert. Send out uh, invites, um, whatever platform that you are on right now. Put, I mean, get the link. Put it on your timeline. Maybe someone somewhere is going to click on the link to join us also, or send it to specific friends. Send it. Just push out the information right now on social media about tribe as we continue all right today we're going to be talking about trials and temptations trials and temptations and as you know we're studying the book of james uh we started out on the book of james about two weeks ago with pastor balaji giving us like a background and introduction into the book and um i'll just pick up from that because um as i was listening to i was listening to the uh to the message that pastor balaji shared and um i think there are some few things which is going to be like a rider into what we're going to be talking about today number one is the fact that jesus was identified as the brother of jesus you know uh, it was clear it was just not just uh, another person or someone else that just met jesus this was 
brother of Jesus, all right? Uh, he lived in the same house, grew up in the same house with Jesus and on and on like that. And not only was he the uh, brother of Jesus, as Pastor also explained towards the end, James himself wrote down, says he is a born servant of Jesus, you know? So to be a born servant, a born servant is someone that has the ability to take his life or ability to win his freedom from being a servant, but rather after serving the tenure of being a servant, came back and still decided and said, look, this master, I gather you. I like you. I like what you're doing. I don't want to be free. I want to be free under you. So keep me as your born servant. You know, this this. What uh, James did is a classic uh, example. You know, when we sing that song, Carry Me, They Go, Jehovah, Carry Me, They Go, They Go, They Go. You know, that's what just came to my mind when I was get, getting understanding, getting light into the meaning of uh, the born servant. Because this AI is someone that has the ability to be free and say, look, I don't care, Jesus, wherever it is you're going, just carry me, they go. Let me be your bond servant. Then uh, another thing I picked from the, what uh, Pastor Balaji shared also is the fact that James is a straight shooter. If you read the book of James, it does. It doesn't speak in parables. It doesn't speak in proverbs. It doesn't. It doesn't go twisting around. It goes straight shoot straight and um, we'll, we'll pick it up from those three points you know so um, I'll read the text the text for today is from James 1 9 to 18 James 1 9 to 18 and I'll read it in the NLT version it says believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has Honor them. I'm reading James 1, 9 to 18. I'll start again. Believers who are poor have something to boast about. For God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a, like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. He, choose to, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. May the Lord bless the reading and the airing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we'll take the first three chapters, 9 to 11. It says, believers who are believers." Who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. 
They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The autumn rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. So here, James is talking to believers. And he started out by saying that even those that are poor have something to brag about, something to boast about, for God has honored them. And he also says that the rich should also boast that God has humbled them. You know, when I read this, the first thing that struck me, there was the first word, believers. Meaning that it is, James is saying that it is possible to, 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 to be a believer and be poor, and it's possible to be a believer and be rich. And there is, there is God's grace for, for both the rich and the poor. God, God is with us, and God is saying also, I mean, James is also saying that even though you are poor, you still have what it is. You still have something that you can be proud about, something you can boast about. So what is key, whether you're poor or rich, is what is most important is that you are a believer. Because at the end of it all, as the scripture goes on in verse 11, at the end of it all, everything that you think you have or everything that you think you do not have will fade away. Both poverty and wealth will fade away. Underlining here is the is, is uh, for, for James to be able to talk about both the uh, the poor and the rich to have something to boast about or to to, to to be proud of is based on James' experience at having total dependence and absolute trust on God. Total dependence and absolute trust on God. If you look at it, you, you, you will see that the, the, for someone to declare that he is a born servant, it only means that he already is used to the reality of having absolute trust and full dependence on God. Like that song that I sang. Carry me, they go. Jehovah, carry me, they go, they go, they go. When you are a born servant... What it means is that when things go well with your boss or with your ogre, with your master, you have made up your mind that you are going to stay with them. When things don't go well, you have made up your mind that you are going to stay with them. So James is also saying here that but believers always have something to boast about, and that is going to be their relationship with Jesus. Their relationship with Jesus. They, they, they can't boast, of, I mean, this relationship is, is what makes them a believer. It's what is the most important aspect of the relationship with them. The fact of, of is the most important thing in the relationship that they have with God. The fact that they believe this God and they, they decided that no matter what I face, whatever comes my way, I will praise the Lord. Irrespective of what happens, do I have plenty money? Am I wealthy? Or am I a broker? I am going to still be a believer. I am still going to follow this Jesus. So there was there is James re-emphasizing that whether you're poor or you're rich, so long as you're a believer, that is what that is what is most 
important. Now, think about it. It says that believers who are poor have something to boast about God, for God has honored them. And you look about it. What is it that God honors about someone that is poor, someone that is in rags? Only someone who has, who thinks properly, who has the right perspective about his relationship with God, will be able to understand and see the honor in what God does for us in maintaining a relationship with us. If you if you look at it, look at I mean, there's there are people in the Bible that we could say, oh, they lived in rags all their lives. They were never poor. Take John the Baptist, for example, a forerunner of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was always dressed in, in sackcloth or, or skin, you know, always living in the wilderness, in the wild. So you could describe him as someone that was poor. But <laughs> scripture describes him as one of the greatest men to ever live. He was a forerunner for, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So for, for you to, when you have the right perspective, you'll be able to see and understand how God honors irrespective of whether you are poor or you are rich. So when you have the right perspective, right perspective then the question then is, how do you see yourself today? How do you see where you are? How do you see who you are in Christ today? Are you happy with it? Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all things give thanks. In all things give thanks. Because when you are in that place of thanksgiving, if, when you're in that place of thanksgiving, that's when you'll be able to receive honor. That's when you'll be able to appreciate and understand how God, what, what God is doing for you. You know, as I was coming to church this evening, I was listening to a song, uh, and um, it, it, the song is a Yoruba song. It says, Bolo Bango, Fuma Fefeti Mumi, Eloni Moro, Polo Wolkon Le Song. You know, Modupelo, Consolo Tole, somewhere new. Yeah, Modupelo, Jesuto, something, something like that. The meaning of the song it says, If God, if God, was to begin to bill us for the air that we are breathing. How much will the wealthy be able to pay? There's, I mean, the song goes on and says, there's no amount of wealth that the wealthy can pay to be able to afford that breath that they are breathing. I mean, look at this, the, the, the uh, season of life that we are in in the world right now. God forbid... The, our enemy catches coronavirus and needs to be on oxygen. You've heard how much it takes to just get oxygen to put in his nose to keep him alive while he's being treated. We're talking of millions of naira per day. And it's scarce. And here it is, we walk around and we're just breathing it. Uh, we're not paying for it. When we have to pay, that's when we will thank God. That's when we will thank God. Praise God. So talking about the rich and the poor, the story I could pick in the Bible was the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Luke 16, 19 to 31. The Lazarus and the rich man. We will read it. But, you know, they, they, when, when, looking at that story, we may, be, we, we may immediately jump at the conclusion and say, oh, Lazarus, I mean, for those that don't know the story, I'll just give a background. 
there was a rich man living very well in the world. And at his gate was a poor man called Lazarus. And it so happened that the two of them died and eventually went to, into eternity. So when Lazarus got into eternity, Lazarus is the poor man. The Bible says that he was seated in the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died, but he went to hell. And when he was in hell, in torment, in pain, there was a gully or a gulf in between him and Abraham and Lazarus on the other side. And he saw Lazarus and he said, ah, please, let Lazarus just give me a drop of water to drink. That was how much pain he was in there. And of course, that couldn't happen. So he was now begging Abraham and said, please send Lazarus to my home. Let him go and tell my brothers about this place so that they don't make the same mistake that I made and they don't, they don't come to this place. You know, so if you look at that story, we may be tempted to say, oh, because Lazarus lived a life uh, being poor here in this world, so because of that, God just rewarded him with heaven. And because the rich man lived a wealthy life here, he also found himself on the other side, which is hell. But that's not the case. They, they, they both had their testimony written in that scripture. And I'll read it. It says, Luke 16, 19, it says, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. That's their testimony. See, let me pick it out there. A rich man, what is his own testimony? He was dressed every day, splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and lived each day in luxury. Think about it. How rich can you be that you dress so well, not going out, just dress so well, live in luxury as the Bible described, and right there at your gates was Lazarus, hungry, and you did not take care of him. You did not sort him out. He had sores. You didn't treat him. That's his testimony. That's, that is what the scripture talks about. Now, you may, you, may want to, you, you may want to say that, okay, um, and, and Lazarus stayed, yeah, Lazarus stayed at his gate and was not even able to get food scrapped. He stayed at his place in Lazarus' place of assignment. Now, what do I mean by place of assignment? Just think about it. There was this man now, finally in hell, identifying and recognizing Lazarus in heaven. Meaning that he had been seeing him while on earth, but he never did anything to improve his condition. He never did anything to help his situation. He never did anything. And what did Jesus say about who we are, when, when, we, when we help him? He says when we help our brothers. That's, that's what Jesus defined. That when we see our neighbors and we help our neighbor, then we have helped him. When we clothe our neighbors, then we have clothed him. So here was Lazarus at his gate. He could recognize Lazarus, meaning that he had been seeing him here on earth, and he never did anything about it. Now, not only that, it didn't end there. When he identified him, he told Abraham, 
please send Lazarus back to my home to go and speak to my brothers. What that also means is that he knew that even though Lazarus was sitting at his gate, a broke ass, poor, in pain, in, with sores all over him, but Lazarus was probably also preaching to him and talking to him about eternity. That was why in his own mind he could, he could see that Lazarus was qualified to go back to his home to go and preach to his brothers. So when Lazarus was there as a poor man, he was in his place of assignment trying to talk to this rich man to give his life to Christ, to follow God, to live a good life. But he didn't. And it, was, it became too late. Because the reality is that whether we're poor or we're rich, we're all going to eternity. We're all going to experience eternity. Where on eternity is now the question? Where on eternity is now the question? We, we don't want to be boxed into be thinking that, oh, when, when, when we read these scriptures and we, get, we don't get proper understanding, we don't want to be boxed into that ideology that, that the poor says the wealth is bad and you're upset with everyone that's wealthy. No, 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 no. Or the wealthy thinks that evil is just for the sinful. No. Also, it's poverty is for the sinful. No. These ideologies are lies of the devil to blind us from the truth. Another thing we pick from this story is that God is a just God. When the rich man found himself in hell, he did not say, oh, he's not, he, did too, he did good. He, he, he's, he's, uh, he's not supposed to be in this place. He knew that, yes, he deserved it, which validates the fact that God is a just God. When people leave this world, and eventually get to heaven or hell. Whatever the judgment they face, they will know that they deserve it. And at that point of judgment, you will not even be able to say, I beg, sir. I beg won't even arise. Because you will know, based on the works that you have done here, and the, 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 the report card that's going to be shown to you, you will know where you are deserving. And God is a just God that will not throw anybody into the wrong place. He wanted, um, he, he wanted Lazarus to go to his home in verse 29 to go and talk to his brothers. And what did the, the Abraham say? It says, Moses and the prophets wrote the, the scriptures. The scriptures are enough for you to read and get guidance. And that is also very key. That is also very key. Therein lies our safety. Reading the scriptures understanding the mind of God for us, understanding the heart of God concerning what is happening to us at any point in time. Therein lies our safety. This is what Abraham told them. He said, Moses and the prophets have written enough. Let your brothers read it. If I send Lazarus from here to them and they see him again come back from dead, they still won't believe. Let them believe what has been written. We have the Bible compiled for us today. It's not even scattered scriptures in different places on the faces of the earth. It's been compiled. And that is our Bible. That is what we should hold on to and read and study to know, uh, to know what, uh, what, where, where God, what God wants us to do. So what is the real meaning of wealth? Is it just material wealth? You know, I was thinking about this today, and I said to myself, as a young man 
if I if I get a billion dollars today, so what would I want to do? I want to be able to eat what I, what I want, which usually is something sweet, all right? Uh, I want to be able to uh, live where I want to live. I want to be able to ride the kind of car I want to ride. I want to be able to travel to anywhere I want to travel at my, under my own terms. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do because I have money to, to pay for all of that expense. That's what I would consider as wealth at my age today, maybe. But guess what? A few years down the line, God keeps you alive. Let's assume you are up to a hundred years and you're still alive. And you still have all of that money stacked up. What will you be able to use it for? That fancy, beautiful food that you are longing for right now. At that age of hundred, doctors will, pro will probably be telling your guy, don't touch those, food. don't touch sugar. Don't touch that. Don't do this. Don't do that. They will write you a, a long to-do list. A very long to-do list. Do not touch. Do not touch. Probably they just tell you, eat only vegetables and oranges. By the way, as we continue, please, if you have questions, please send it online right now. Uh, you can put the questions out in the, um, in the chat room where wherever you are uh, on all the social media platforms just and um, the online pastors will collect the questions as we go on and again don't forget we have a quiz somewhere here we'll be prepared get your phones out it's coming very soon so i mean if it is the if it is the riding a fast car a beautiful beautiful car fast car at that age they will tell you shut down on high energy activities if you go and ride a fast car, your blood pressure shoots up, there's a problem. So that thing that you are trying to amass, the question is, is that really the wealth? Wealth, really, if you ask me, is about you being able to attain eternity. And when you're done on this side of the world, to have impacted as much people as you can. To impact as much people as you can. James 1, move on. James 1 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him, which is what I just explained now. Eternity is actually what determines wealth, what determines your blessings, the fact that you can leave this world and when you are done, when you're done, doesn't matter when you're, whether you go at 33 and a half like Jesus or you live to Methuselah at 963 or 962 or I can't remember what his age was. It doesn't matter. But when you're done, the key thing is you leave this place and land on eternity in heaven. That is the real definition of blessings. That is the real definition of being of being. Uh, of being wealthy, attaining eternity with God. The um, Amplified Version of James 1.12 says, Blessed, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God, is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and has been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So now we're talking about trials and temptations while we are here on earth. While we are here on earth. It says, Verse 13 to 15, it says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. 
God is ne never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So what are the, I mean, there's, there's a strategy that the enemy always deploys to tempt us anytime, we, anytime he, he wants to attack. It's a strategy used in the Garden of Eden. It's a strategy he tried to use on Jesus. It's a strategy he's still using to tomorrow. Why? Because he's lazy. They can't think. He's not even lazy. That's the problem. He doesn't have the ability to think beyond that strategy, even though that strategy works. But it will not work in your, against, uh, on you in the mighty name of Jesus. What is this strategy? The enemy works on the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When Satan came to meet Eve and brought the apple, what did he say to him? What did he say to her? He said, it looks good to eat lust of the eyes. He says, it's good for your body. It's good. Lust of the flesh. And he says, it will make you be like God. You will see like God, the pride of life. Same thing. When Jesus was taken to the, the, the temple and was being tempted, what did he came? He came with bread. Turn these stones to bread. Lost of the flesh. See this kingdom. They belong to this whole world. It is mine. I can give it to you. Lost of the eyes. Bow to me. And everything belongs to you. The pride of life. Same strategy. Same strategy. Same strategy. You see a young girl today that wants to follow a sugar daddy. What does the sugar daddy to have, have to offer? Money. Lost of, the, uh, lost of the eyes. Because why? You're thinking in your head, what can I use this money to buy? You can hang out with the sugar daddy, take you to social play, big, where big men and the likes are. You want to feel among. Pride of life. Same strategy. The same strategy. You can think about it, all sorts of temptations that you can ever think of. It always boils down to these three strategies. So now that we know those strategies, so God has promised that there are a few things He's going to do with respect to this strategy, as with respect to these temptations that may come. Number one is that God is going to protect us from being tempted above our capacity. It's going to shield us. That's, that's what God is saying. That there's no temptation that will come your way that I will not, that, that will be, uh, overcome you. Well, because I, God will limit it, constrain it to the point that all you need to be do, all you need to do at that point is to realize that I can overcome this thing. And you will overcome in the mighty name of Jesus. God doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond our level of competence. The second thing that God does is that every time there is a temptation coming our way, God always provides a way of escape. A way of escape. A way of escape could be you losing your jacket, just like Joseph lost his jacket when Potiphar's wife was trying to, to, to jump on, her, on, on him. A way of escape. God always makes that way of escape. We are the ones that now have to 
over to, we are the ones that now have to see what God is doing and walk with him. So as we walk with him, so what are the responsibilities? What are the things that we as believers, what are the, the things that we have as believers must do to overcome temptation? There are about seven or eight of them that I've written here. Number one is that we have to be conscious of God's provision to help us in any tempting situation. We have to be conscious of God's provision. We have to be alert that no matter how tight it may look like, no matter how limited the options ahead of us in this, this thing that's tempting us may appear like, there is always a way out. And the God, there's always a God way out. Let me put it that way. Think about it this way. Um, you, you are trying to get a job, all right? And um, you get one job that takes you completely away from all the things that you love. Say, for example, you are a newlywed and you get a job and it takes you away from your family. You get another job that makes you work seven days a week, meaning that you cannot get involved in church, you cannot get involved in tribe or anything again, you know, and you're asking God, oh, I need to choose one. I need to choose one. It may appear like is that you choose sacrificing God and your life and uh, sacrificing your work with God or sacrificing your family? It may look like those are the two options. Before you are, you are praying and you are trusting and you are praying and you are asking God, please show me the way, show me the way. What God is saying, what, what, what we need you to be aware of now, right now, is that usually when we present two options, or three options, or as many options as we can think of. God is not constrained to always work with that option. Let me use this example now. You have to choose between, forget about church and your Christian work, forget about your early marriage that you just signed up for, forget about building and nurturing it, staying with your wife and on. And you think there is no option, you must choose between the two. Who says you actually can leave both jobs? And trust God for him to bring another one later. That's an option. Those are the ways where God, those are that's an example of how God just pulls his own stones back. You know, where he least expects. And he brings, brings it out and, hey, that's it. Second thing you need to do, second responsibility on our side, is that we have to take heed to God's word. When we know the word of God, when we, when we fill our lives, ourselves with the word of God, it, it helps us in the time of trouble. It helps us in the time of trouble because we know the word to speak to that challenge at that time. First thing we have to do at all times is that we must pray for strength. We must pray for strength. Your prayers are a way to ask God for strength and grace to ward off temptations when they come. But you don't wait till the temptations come. We actually have to be proactive. We have to be proactive. You know, when, when Job was facing his trials, Scripture tells us that even when there was no issues, he would always raise an offering to God. Be merciful on my son. Perhaps they've sinned. Be merciful on my whole household. Perhaps they've done something wrong. He was praying ahead of the day of trouble. No wonder when the trials came, as heavy as they were, he was able to stand firm. Number four, we have to understand how to forego self-gratification. How to forego self-gratification. 
you know, it's it's one of the key things that makes that that lures us, that that drains us, you know, when uh, when, when the option, when the uh, temptations come, we look at it and say, ah, let me enjoy it small. Let me just let me just inject. Let me just top them small. Chew, chew. <laughs> that chew is poison. That chew is poison. Chew is uh, a little bit, right? So we need to know how to deny ourselves of that self gratification, that thing that makes us to just say, okay, let me, let me, let me just take a little bite. It doesn't, it won't count. We need to build ourselves, uh, build a wall about us against that. Number five, we need to grow in spiritual maturity. We need to grow in spiritual maturity, and of course. Uh, I mean, in, in GFH, you know, we're always talking about six over six, six over six. That is, those are your steps in growing a spiritual maturity. Join NCR, join a live group, get baptized, join join the workforce. You know, uh, uh, take the journey. You know, there are different steps for everyone at any time that will help you to grow from where you are to where you should be. Because every one of us needs to be growing. If we are not growing, we're dying. Every one of us needs to be growing. Number six, you need to surround yourself with people of value. Surround yourself with people of value. People that will build you up. People that will help you. People that will put you on the right track. People that will give you the right advice. Look at Amnon. Amnon, son of David, was lost in after his half sister Tamar. He knew it was the wrong thing to do, but his eyes, his head, his mind, everything was wrapped around there. Imagine if he had gone to, I mean, when he was thinking about all of that, the thing drained him. The thing, the thing, the, that, that lost, that, because it's, it's a spirit, that lost drained him, began to make him look sad. His friend came, said, oh God, what's wrong with you? He explained his talent to his friend. His friend, ah, that was a small thing now. Let me arrange a plan for you. And he gave him a plan. Bottom line, at the end of the day, he ended up raping his half-sister. He could have walked up to the king and asked for her and the marriage. The king would have agreed. But ended up raping her and destroying something that could have been good. Because the Bible says as soon as he was done raping her, the love that he had before, he now had even a greater hate. All of that was, was constructed by bad advice from his friend. Bad advice from his friend. Why? Because he surrounded himself with bad, wrong people. So we... We need to surround ourselves with people of value, people that we know will build us, people that will develop us. Number seven, we must resist the devil. We must resist the devil. Anything that you don't confront, you cannot, that you don't confront, you cannot conquer. Whatever you don't resist has a right to remain. Number eight, run away from dangerous spots. Run away from content. Run away from content that will drag you back. Run away from content that will drag you. Uh, run away from TV programs that will put wrong images in your mind. Run away from TV, radio programs that will distort your mind, distort what you are hearing. Praise God. Let's round up now. 
So what are the difference between trials and temptations? Trials and temptations. Trials are usually things that, I mean, challenges that we face that are God-ordained. God-ordained. Temptations are usually Satan-directed. There's usually, uh, uh, I mean, Satan that causes it or that puts it in front of us. Trials are God-ordained. Um, trials come from the outside usually, uh, and uh, temptations usually will come from within. It is those things, as the scripture says, the things that, that we lost for, the, the things that we desire ourselves. That's what Satan now uses to tempt us. Trials are designed to bring out the best in us, as we saw with, with Job. At the end, the latter end of Job became so much better than even his, his, his earlier, earlier days. It results in something good such as perseverance, maturity, character, and hope. Temptations are designed to bring out the worst in us, resulting in sin and death. So now is the time for the questions. I'm going to ask. Um, so the, the questions are going to come up on the screen, and I'll tell you how to answer them. The, the, we can bring them up. We can bring questions up now. It says, um, Adam and Eve, sorry, there are a few Bible characters. Yes, they're on the screen right now. Uh, you can see there Adam and Eve, David and Bathsheba, Joseph with Potiphar's wife, Elijah at Mount Carmel. Amnon with his sister Tama, Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus at Gethsemane. All right, I'll ask that that just stays on the screen for maybe about two or three minutes so that people can uh, take them down and ask the uh, right, send the answers. So the question is very simple. These different Bible characters, they went through either trials or temptations or both or none of the above. In these Bible stories, um, some of you may have to go and read those Bible stories before you can respond. But hey, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. If you are a Bible scholar, you remember one of the things we learned here is that you need to be on top of your game, reading your Bible regularly. If you are a Bible scholar, you know the story as we, as we say it. That is what you need to answer now. So, identify what these Bible characters went through. Is it a trial? If it is a trial, you will say, number one, Adam and Eve. Just write number one, trial. If it is a temptation, you write number one, temptation. If it is both trial and temptation, write number one, trial, number, um, you write number one, three. That's trial and temptation. You write both, rather. Then if it is none of trial, none of temptation, that's number four. So you write Adam, uh, number one. None of the above. So that's how you answer it, all right? So you just write the number of the question, number one. Then you write whether it is trial or temptation or both or none of the above. So the question will stay on the screen for the next one minute while we round up. Then um, final verse of the Bible that we're studying, it says, uh, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Remember what we said earlier on about James. James is a sharpshooter. When, when you read the book of James... I don't know, you may not even be able to preach a sermon again out of it because it says it exactly as it is. So this verse 16 to 18, what are the things we pick out there? Number one, 
God is truth. God is truth. Number two, God is the sort of God is the source of all good and perfect gifts. Number three, God never changes. He is dependable. It never changes. Number four, his nature remains the same. His nature remains the same. Number five, he always does everything for his own glory and his nature's good. He always does everything that he does for his own glory and his nature's good, which is why James would easily say, I am the bond servant of God, because whatever Jesus does, he does it for my good. I know it means well. No matter if I have to be crucified along with him, Jesus means well, even in it. He can trust, and that's the character of Jesus. He always does everything for his own glory and his nature's good. And finally, God doesn't renege on his promises. God doesn't renege on his promises. So that's where we end the teaching for today. So if you have your Answers, you can, I mean, I'm sure by now you should be able to uh, send all those answers to to the number that is shown on the screen. That's 0816-989-9454. And wherever it is you are, anywhere in the world. So the, the whoever, we're going to get three winners. The first person to respond with the correct answer gets to get uh, a recharge card irrespective whatever network you are on a recharge card of uh, 3000 naira the second person to get their answer right gets a recharge card of 2000 naira and the third person gets a recharge card of 1000 naira so, so let your answer start coming in right now and um the admins, admins, the uh, online pastors will collect the responses. Or yeah, no, send it as WhatsApp. Yeah, that's what we agreed. Send it as WhatsApp, and um, we'll wait to see the winner uh, on that. All right. So that is the end of the teaching for today. Yeah. Um, at this point, we'll bring Pastor on to come on board. Hi, <clears throat> well done. Amazing teaching. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm still basking in the 11th anniversary, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone on that. <laughs> yeah. It was totally amazing. <clears throat> Absolutely, sir. Awesome. Yes. So, um, I think um, we can close. We've had enough time now. Any question, the time right now is 7.30 p.m. So any message that comes after 7.30, any uh, response that comes after 7.30 will be deemed as disqualified. Yeah, that's fine, sir. Because we're going to go for... <laughs> it's your call. <laughs> We're, we're going to go for the answers now. Okay. All right. Any question, any answer that comes in after 7.30 is now disqualified. You've had enough time to respond. Yes. All right. So, Pastor. Yes, sir. <clears throat> we'll, put, we'll put the question to you, sir. One by one. So, these ladies and gentlemen of the Bible, they went through their own fair share of 
trials and temptations and uh, or both of them or none of them all right so we will take you one after the other adam and eve <laughs> <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> so, before I answer this, <clears throat> you know okay. that in in certain level of mathematics, one plus one <clears throat> is two. <laughs> at at another level of mathematics, uh, when you say one plus one. They need to ask you in what base. What is base? it in base 10 or is it in base 2? If it's in base yeah. 2, 1 plus 1 will be 1, 0. If it's in base 10, <laughs> it will be 2. So then when you get to another level of mathematics, they will not only ask you in what base, they will ask, ask you at what speed. 1 plus mm. 1 at what speed? <laughs> the vector, you know, the... And probably the direction also to make it a vector. Now, um, so if you if you look at um, the Adam and Eve, we will start by saying that um, clearly it is a temptation because going by what you said by your definition of temptation, which is correct, which is temptation comes from within, you know, primarily, and trials are mostly from without. I mean, that's perfect definition. Now, so, however, it is to instigate that which was from within, it, it, it took the enemy to instigate it. That is Satan, right? And Satan yeah. is without. Satan is not within. So, hmm. um, Satan instigated that lust in, in, in man, that is man, woman, I'm using man generically. So that is a, that situation, the situation of a temptation. However, <laughs> when you back up a little bit and look at who created that situation in the first place as a trial as a test you see i like the way the nlt puts it mm. as a test of their obedience mm. it was god mm. so as long as the apple was there or the it's not an apple it's a, a fruit the fruit was there <laughs> You see, we have to keep deconstructing this um, colonization thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, as long as the fruit was there, it was, it was a, a test. It was a trial of their faith. Yeah. Now, so what originally is a trial of faith can be... Um, um, used by the enemy to become a temptation and vice versa. I know, not vice versa. And, you know, so in that case, if someone says it is a test, I would say the person is correct. But if, you, if another person says it is both and they are coming from this, <laughs> and they are coming from this angle, I would say the person is also correct. So hmm. I will leave it to you to determine 
what level of mathematics we are going to use today. Mm. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, um, okay. I, I think Debbie has, uh, Church Office has my answers already. Okay. So, we'll work with my answer. We'll work with your answer. Okay. Yeah, my, my answer was, uh, I said it's temptation. All right. But yes. Clearly, clearly, I totally agree with so the angle you've come from, which is yes. the fact that the trial led to the temptation, which was the question I actually wanted to ask before I came up with all these questions, which is, can trial turn to temptation and can temptation turn to trial? Okay, so that's a beautiful question. Now, if you, if you see that trial or temptation, they are both tests. Mm. It's just the examiner and the intent that is different. So when, like you said, trials comes from God, the intent is to promote us. It's for us to pass and to promote us. God does mm. not give us the trials or allow trials so that it will destroy us. Mm. The same way you allow um, your, your child to play the penalty, you want him to score. If he doesn't score, you give him a game to try it again, you know? Mm. However, the enemy tests, I'm uh, sorry, tempts us to destroy us. The end of the, mm. the progression of test, of, uh, sorry, of temptation, which is the test also, the, the progression of temptation is, is death as, as spelled out by James. So yeah. it leads to this, it leads to this, it leads to this, it ends in death, you know? So whether it is, I want to read from the NLT, um, and it says that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. So mm. if you patiently endure both testing and temptation, God will bless you. So whether it's you are being tested or you are being, or you are, you are being tempted, whether you are being tried, or you are being tempted, God makes both to work together for your good. Yeah. God and and God will bless you at the end of the day if you Absolutely. if you endure it, you yeah. know, and and come up on the on the. So yes, of course, in this case, um, we see a situation that was a test of their obedience that was hijacked to become temptation. But either ways. God will have blessed them if they had passed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, All right. We'll next one. I'll be next one. We'll not have these uh, two, base 10 and uh, Beko. <laughs> <laughs> David and Bathsheba. <laughs> David and Bathsheba. Uh, David <laughs> and Bathsheba. Oh. I, I think it, it's, it's clearly, from David's standpoint, it's a test for Bas. It's a temptation for Bathsheba's standpoint. It was a trial. It was a test. So you didn't say what base we are. So you're looking at. <laughs> that was actually supposed to be. I'm, I, was think, I was thinking about David now. Uh -huh. I, so, I understand. Yeah. But you said David and Bathsheba. So, yeah, so, with 
Bathsheba. Okay, so David with Bathsheba yeah. would be clearly a plantation. Right. But it's, in, it's important that we also point out that Bathsheba's own was it was a trial, was it was it was a test, you know? Go ahead, sir. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Joseph, okay, correct. With Potiphar's wife was a temptation. And if you will, <laughs> trial because because God needed it to get, or rather, God used it to get mm. Joseph out of Potiphar's house on the way to the, to the palace where he really is. <laughs> so if that didn't come up, you know, mm -hmm. Joseph would just have been a glorified uh, house boy. Yeah. You know, a big, a big boy servant. So again, you see, you see that that again is something that is clearly. A temptation. So if if, it, if you say it's temptation, I cannot fault you for saying it's a temptation. You know? However, but if you look at the big picture and you say that look, the the the, the director behind the scene of this act already knew that it was going to lead to this. So yeah, and for him. It, it, it becomes a trial on that level. So I don't know what your answer was. Whatever it was, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> My answer was both. Okay, so you are correct. Both. Yeah, so because, uh, you know, again, writing off how, what I said earlier about oh. the fact that um, usually temptation comes from the inside. Oh. This, the, even though, like Riley said, this school is clearly a temptation, but oh. Joseph had no hand in it. It was not from inside him. It was from the outside. He was doing his work. Jeje, madam, um, madam called Joseph. Joseph! Yes, madam. And the next thing, he locked door. <laughs> what happened? I beg. <laughs> you know? So he had no influence. So, but, so, but, but, I mean, on another level, you could say that the same way Satan came to Eve mm. and said to Eve, this fruit will make you wise, make you uh, this, make you that. And if it, it birthed the desire in Eve, right? The mm. same way, Potiphar's wife must have been damned gorgeous mm -hmm. to come. And I'm sure she was not, she, for her to come to seduce, she was not covered in a hijab, you know? Mm -hmm. She was probably half naked, you know? Mm. <laughs> and Joseph was... A teenage young man, vibrant, healthy. If there was no response in his body, there was no need to run. Mm. If yes, if if he saw her and she meant nothing to him, you just look in. I mean, you can't force uh, something that is flaccid to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he ran because it became a temptation, you know, mm. and. And 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 that's why you know it, and and you know yeah it, it should be it should be both yes thank you sir yes, all sir. right uh, next one is Elijah at Mount Carmel Elijah at Mount Carmel I would say trial 
Ah, someone is nodding his head here yeah, that, yeah, yeah, he got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> or that he got it. <laughs> Either way, it's, yeah, it's good. Trial. Yeah. Trial. Next one. Amnon and his sister, Tama. Temptation. Am, Amnon with his sister, Tama. So we're looking at it from the uh, perspective of Amnon. Amnon, yes. Temptation. Temptation. Yes. Awesome. Oh. Thank you, sir. Uh -huh. um, Jesus in the wilderness uh, in Matthew 4, 1 to 11 when he had just finished fasting 40 days, 40 nights the Bible calls it temptation <laughs> the Bible calls it temptation yes that stupid. Jesus was tempted so I won't say more than that <laughs> I mean, thank you sir yeah. uh, Jesus had Gethsemane trial Trial, without a doubt, yeah. Trial, trial. Because, yeah, I mean, ah, and, and, you know, trial, I don't know if I've said it, trial builds perseverance. It builds uh, muscles, spiritual muscles. Let me put it that way. When Jesus was praying at Gethsemane, if you really look at the way he prayed, we say Jesus is, knows the mind of God. Jesus knows everything, you know. He knows tomorrow, uh, you know. But it appeared like at that point, even tomorrow was shielded from him. It appeared. But he still held on and said, ah, no. Your will, Baba. For carry me, they go. Baba, carry me, they go, they go. <laughs> that was where I saw it. You know, yeah. because it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely trial. Okay, so we'll wait for... Yeah, those are the seven questions. We wait for, I don't know, let me check if there is any question from the online crew. Um, any questions from the online? Okay. There is a question. This is good. Okay, so I'll read out the question, sir. Mm. He said, good, good evening, I mean, I guess. Good evening, Pastor Cave. How will you balance this statement that some believers only overstress every ago, which end up raising believers with a lazy mentality, having no zeal to make exploits on earth? You said that again. How do you... He says, how will you balance this statement that some believers only overstress sorry how will you balance this statement that some believers only overstress heaven is our goal which end up raising believers with a lazy mentality having no zeal to make exploits on earth okay do you want to give it a shot yeah sure i think every one of us um every one of us on earth we are not just born here to pass time. We are born with a mission, yeah. with a purpose. Our responsibility here on earth is to discover that purpose and pursue it till we fulfill it. Yeah. And that, that is very, very important. So if you have that mindset that you are not a waste of time, 
you are you are here for a particular purpose that purpose could be that um you will be the one to create the vaccine for covid mm. that purpose could be that you are just going to be a nursery school teacher or a day not even nursery school self daycare where mm. you'll be cleaning diapers and whatever that so long as that is what the purpose is for you because you don't know maybe you are the one that will clean the diaper of a baby that will eventually be the one to create the cure for covid mm. Mm. that's your purpose and you miss it by being lazy and say then you have not fulfilled purpose so when you have that mentality again with that kind of mentality you will know that your issue is not whether i'm poor or wealthy you know that your issue is just let me be where I am doing the will of God. Yeah. I'm following, I'm trying to fulfill my destiny. So with that, the the lazy mentality would would not would not even come up because there's so. I mean, when God creates us, of course, Jesus says when we are when we clothe our neighbors. We have clothed him. When we feed our neighbors, we have fed him. As in, there are people God is going to position around you in this world that you are going to be their God. Not like their God because they want to worship you, but you are going to be the one that God will use to help them. If you don't see yourself as that, if you see yourself as someone that just be dead. It's, 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 about, it's about the mindset. It's about the mindset. And again, you have to be cautious of our joke, the farmer's prayer. <laughs> the, 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 the tree or the branch that is not productive is going to always be cut off. All right. The one that is producing, that is not optimally producing, God will prune it to produce even more. So it's up to you what you want to say. Correct. So, I mean, like, like you said, you know, um, purpose-driven, destiny-driven um, life will not be lazy and faffing around. However, what would help people also, like you said, is to connect that to eternity. To connect that to eternity. You are going to show up before God and give account of the gift and the talent you have been given of your purpose. So like Pastor K said, if there are people you are supposed to feed, you can't feed people if you are not, if you are not wealthy, for instance. <laughs> I mean, how do you do it? You know, there are people's school fees you are supposed to pay. You can't pay people's school fees if you are not, if you are not productive in, in, in your life, you know. And you're going to give account of that when you get to heaven, you know. And, and he's saying, I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in hospital, you visited me. I was in prison, you, and all that. And come into the joy of your Lord. Mm. If you look at that, it's, it's, it's almost scary because Jesus would say, I, will, I, I need to walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. Mm. Because night comes when no man can walk. So he has sent us to do a work. And that work is going to determine to a large extent what your experience of heaven will be. 
So hmm. the earlier we connect the two, the better. Absolutely, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. So we have a winner, or we have winners. Will you do the honor, sir, of announcing them? No, They're, no, no, go ahead. On your phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so drum roll. In third place is Ifanyi Uakwe. Second place is Nicholas Iyanacho. Yay. And first place, Juliet Emmanuel. Oh, Juliet. Congratulations. Congratulations, all of you. So please just send us, send um, to that same number your the line that you want us to recharge with the airtime and the network that you are on. Send it now and you will get it in the next couple of minutes. All right, fantastic. Amazing teaching, very engaging, <laughs> you know, getting everybody to participate. God bless you. Um, God bless you. I, I thank you for, to everyone for joining us and congratulations to all the winners of the prizes, you know. Um, okay, so um, that's it. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift Amen. up his countenance upon you and give you peace Amen. every single day of your life. Amen. And so shall it be Amen. in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So this is our year of lifting and we are lifted all the way. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.